it was always part of the plan to put a brewery in, but for many years it, it was just a plan. It's 100% acquisition of Green Beacon. No, we had a chat with everybody. Anyone would have seen this coming a mile away. It's the passion and the, the dedication to beer and brewing. Oh, yeah. That's super simple and direct question. It's always fun to get to speak about beer. And that's just what we're here to do, talk about beer, or at least have a very interesting conversation about it. I'm Brews News Editor Matt Kirkegaard, and this week we have another conversation with Mark Hazeman, CEO of Craft Business Accelerator, Founders First. We first spoke with Mark in February last year, when Founders First was in its relatively early days and had just taken a stake in Victoria's Jetty Road Brewing and Newcastle's Foghorn Brewhouse. It was an interesting conversation about the business's plans for craft and where they saw their future and the future of craft. It's well worth going back to have a listen to that before you listen to this one, but you don't need to. Since then, it has invested in four further craft breweries, three distilleries, and announced plans for some hospitality venues, not to mention raised almost $16 million in an IPO. If that wasn't enough, as we were about to record this podcast, Mark told me he wanted to announce Founders First major new rebrand, a new industry-facing identity, Mighty Craft, an all-encompassing brand that aims to position the company as a leader in the independent craft beer industry. What can I say? You heard it here first, folks. It seems as though our last conversation led directly to a number of breweries approaching Founders First, and as the phrase craft beer business increasingly shifts the emphasis from craft to business, it's always interesting to hear the insights of those deeply involved in it. Enjoy this conversation with Mark Hazeman. Mark Hazeman, welcome back to Beer is a Conversation. Thanks, Matt. Good to be back. Thanks for having me. Oh, right. it, it, it's a pleasure having you back, and it's been something that I've uh, wanted to since our first chat, uh, which is... Well and truly, um, you know, eighteen plus months ago, uh, when we first launched, you know, sort of uh, when you'd gone to market, um, had started making a couple of acquisitions, and hasn't life changed so much since then? Oh, it certainly has in in so many different ways, and uh, yeah, we've uh, long overdue for a chat. So uh, look forward to having a bit of a, a bit of an update this morning. Now, funnily enough, when when I was because I've been trying to tee this up for a while, and you guys have had a string of announcements, and we've also had this uh, little thing called COVID uh, get in the way. Um, but when I had a list of questions I wanted to ask uh, this week, when we had the date set, I went back and listened to our initial podcast just to have a frame of reference to see how things have changed. And a lot of those questions were very much the same. So I'll actually direct listeners back. It was it was a really interesting interview um, when we spoke back then that set the foundations for what you were hoping to achieve. But what we might do is pick up from there and just see what's changed because you had just announced the acquisition of Foghorn in those days. Um, since then, there's been a string of, uh, I think, at least four craft breweries, distilleries, you've got some hospitality. So maybe in your own words, um, you can sort of tell me how Founders First has gone um, since we last spoke, and I can then just sort of amplify that with a few additional questions. Yeah, so look, we've had a, a big 12-plus months since we last spoke. Uh, so uh, the, the listeners will probably be aware that uh, Founders First Limited is our ASX ticker, and we, we listed last December. 
which was a you know a, a very big finish to what was a very busy year and uh, I think we, we were really pushing hard to list because we needed to we just wanted to make sure that we were on the boards and that we then had the flexibility going forward to um, enable the growth for our partners and uh, so fortunately given how the world has changed since then we're very pleased that we did that um, no doubt the COVID disruption has been uh, massive for everyone really and uh, very difficult for a lot of people to get through and as you know I'm based in Melbourne and it's been a really tricky time uh, with this second wave but look we've we're really proud of what we've achieved since last we spoke following listing uh, we started to really build out the team at Founders First and I'm really proud of the collection of you know, highly capable people that we've brought in and uh, from diverse backgrounds largely and huge passion for our industry and what it's all about uh, and uh, as I'll talk to in a moment we're really starting to develop out a portfolio uh, or family of businesses if you like um, and brands that are really going to set us up for strong growth uh, in the years to come um, and you know the, despite COVID I guess we've seen some some great results of of late uh, where it's probably uh, to some extent um, played to the strength of craft and independent craft in particular which typically is stronger in the off-premise and in package uh, so we've seen you know even in the last uh, the last quarter Q4 for us we really saw independent craft grow at nearly 50% over that period which is you know three times more than mainstream craft uh, mainstream beer so um, that, that's a great um, great result uh, for all the independent craft players out there and and our portfolio performed extremely well um, in light of that as well so you know really wrapped with the progress we've made um, and uh, we've, we've obviously added a few businesses to the portfolio which uh, a, a couple of those were uh, leads that came from our last conversation actually Matt so I'm still um, waiting for my yeah. commission check uh, <laughs> my, my, my email was uh, uh, there, so, there were a uh, lot of brewers who uh, obviously responded to what you said and uh, wanted contact details for you to get in touch and some of those um, have joined the family. Yeah, look, we uh, we work in an amazing industry, uh, which we was touched on before we sort of jumped on air and uh, with great people. And uh, we've been very fortunate to be connected with a bunch of different businesses over the last 12 months. And uh, we just haven't we haven't been able to uh, choose to work with all of them um, and not not because we, we don't love what they're doing or we don't like the people um, or their, their product and so on. It's just that we haven't been able to work with everyone that's come to us. But we, uh, I guess, are very proud of the six um, beer partners that were formed. So uh, in addition to Jetty Road and Foghorn, which I think was announced last time we spoke, um, we have added uh, Slipstream uh, to the portfolio along with Ballistic out of, out of Brisbane, uh, Spark out of South Australia uh, and Source out of the inner west of Sydney. Uh, and all of those businesses and brands and founders are um, terrific people you know those that portfolio of brands is growing really strongly for us and we're really enjoying working with those uh, with all of those founders so in terms of those beer businesses I guess we really integrated those in, Matt, in uh, November, or so really December, January, actually, as we started to take on the sales and, and get organised and work with them. Um, and obviously, one of the unique things around our model is each of the businesses we, we partner with or invest in um, have different strengths. So what we like to do is work with uh, those, those partners to make sure we're both clear on what the strengths are and let them play to their strengths so we can then cover their gaps and really help scale and grow the business. Um, so I think all of them uh, you know, are starting to really hit their straps and uh, you know, we, we had our biggest month in beer in July ever, um, even bigger than December. Um, so, you know, I think the brands are really starting to hit their straps and the working relationships back uh, with our brand partners and the founders is, is, is going extremely well. 
as I've watched the portfolio evolve and I've sort of seen the, the the brands, you you also have obviously an eye on hospitality as being something you want to develop in the future. You, you must be fairly pleased, having heard what you just said, that that part of the business wasn't too far down the track when COVID hit and you, you were able to get the benefits of being a primarily packaged-based business. Yeah, so look, I think uh, what's really important in building out the beer brands, and I'll come to spirits in a moment, um, but building out the beer brands, uh, this sense of local connection, uh, this sense of place, and to, to understand um, who the who the founders are and what their story is, is really important, I think, in, in uh, craft beer. And so uh, for us, having a geographic spread has been important. Um, and that's helped insulate us to some extent from uh, the highs and lows of COVID. But the venues really are important to give people that opportunity to really connect to the brand. And um, so in each of the cases with uh, well, with all of these, except, um, well, we'll Spark have their own brew pub as well, but um, don't have a huge production facility. But all of the rest have, you know, strong brew pubs, production in their own right. And that really helps people connect um, to to the brands and to the to the brewers in this case, which we think is critical. Um, expanding further into venues is something we obviously want to do more of because we think we can then take the brands to more people. Uh, but yes, we have uh, we have put on hold a couple of the venue developments, um, fortunately, given COVID. Um, and you know, the, I guess at this stage, the the wholesale businesses has taken um, front seat. Uh, but most of the venues are starting to come back online now and. Um, starting to really fire up, um, which is which is great. In particular, a couple that we have in really uh, big Australian, or iconic Australian tourism reg- regions. And as people can't travel now um, overseas, you know the the venue we have in the Hunter Valley, which has had a bit of press the last couple of days, because uh, we're turning that into the Falkhorn Brewery Hunter Valley. Um, you know that venue's been very busy. And it's the old Potter's venue uh, mm. there at the Hunter. And then Kangaroo Island Spirits, of course, which is one of our spirits businesses. Um, you know, Kangaroo Island is just an amazing place and, uh, you know, a lot of uh, huge support from locals. And I think uh, more Australians will get to KO over the t- next 12 months than, than ever before. So uh, we look forward to, um, to to that playing a big role for us as well. The group of brands you've put together is fairly eclectic in, in, in some ways. Uh, what mm. do you, what, when you... Considering a brewery to buy into, what is it that you look for? What what, what are the, the the key hallmarks? Yeah, I think uh, what we really look for is um, firstly good founders um, and good people to work with. Um, we want people that we can connect with, and ideally, we're looking for a product which is great quality. Uh, that we believe uh, we can really add value to their business in some shape or form and help them scale and, uh, you know, really get to, you know, help them scale on that path to profit quickly. And I guess build a complementary portfolio of brands that can all help each other um, and in different states or markets, you know, perhaps drag each other along. So, yeah, that, that notion of a portfolio approach and geographic spread is important. Uh, because we're seeing a lot of our, our big customers now wanting to support local. Um, so we like to have that connection into each of the key local markets. And clearly we've got some gaps over in the West um, and down in Tassie. Um, but, you know, on the whole, we've got a good coverage on the Eastern Seaboard and, and founders that I guess see the benefit of working uh, within a broader collective and the benefits of maybe them focusing on what they're really good at and enabling us to help them in other areas. Should Tasmanian and West Australian brewers ears be pricking up at that at, at- 
at, at no. that? <laughs> well, look, you know, we can't travel anywhere at the moment, but no. um, yeah, we can't wait to uh, to get over there and have a look. And uh, you know, we've, I guess, in addition to the six beer businesses, um, of course, we've, we've brought in three spirits businesses as part of the family as well. So, you know, we've been quite busy as we sort of look at where do we think the, the growth is going to come from in the future, and and how do we set ourselves up and those we work with to to be really successful. But um, yeah, we'll look to those other markets in time as well for sure, Matt. When you have bought into each of the businesses, uh, there's been a slightly different structure for for each of them. Some of them have been uh, a bigger percentage. Some of them have involved loans and uh, convertible notes and things like that. Does that make it difficult to raise potential conflicts in that, well, we've got more in this brand, so we'll give it a little bit more love, Um, even subconsciously? Is is there uh, the, the potential for that to happen? Look, I think there's always a potential for that to happen. Uh, the important thing for us really is to, for our team um, that's that's helping grow and sell the brands, uh, they really look at it uh, from a portfolio perspective. So their job is to work out which brands are going to fit best within that particular channel with that particular customer and drive those um, and what the priority geographies are for those brands. So probably the sales team's a little um, disconnected from uh, you know, the level of investment we have in the different businesses, and that's probably um, the best way to manage it, to be honest. And, um, you know, I think it also is one of the things we love about our model, Matt, is that uh, we are working with different businesses in different ways, and each of our deal structures is different, and, and what's important to those founders is different. So, you know, we're quite comfortable in finding a different approach to work with each of them. Um, and, you know, to date, that's been, um, you know, that seems to have worked pretty well for us. In saying this, I don't expect you to sort of give me uh, numbers, but when you do approach a brewery, what metric or is there a formula you use to determine the value of a brewery? Yeah, look, I think it's because we tend to focus on early to mid-stage businesses where we can add, uh, we, we feel like a lot of value and generally, you know, businesses are you know, if we're talking to us, um, they see a need. Um, I guess we flex our approach depending on each of them. Now, um, in the early stages, uh, a lot of the businesses, um, you know, they're not not yet profitable or they're just profitable and probably limiting their growth by, you know, really responsibly managing their business to be profitable. So, uh, look, there's no one size uh, fits all answer to that. And sometimes early days, it's done on a multiple of revenue. Sometimes it's on a multiple of earnings. So uh, I guess we just sort of have to see the possibilities um, and the growth. And uh, to some extent, we're backing the people um, that are that are running these businesses and, and helping them achieve their dreams. So uh, there's no one size fits all to, to how we go about that. One of the things that we see, and potentially it's sort of classic brewing industry um, boom thinking that, you know, when Bolter sold, you know, there are these $100 million plus valuations given for a brewery that's, you know, making, you know, a little bit over uh, 2 million litres. But in the US, mm. we see, um, a, you know, a calculation that's pretty much dollars per hectolitre, and I think it's between five and 700. Is there... Um, and so I guess in the middle there, we look at um, a number of breweries that have given a valuation of themselves based on other equity crowdfundings. You know, is, yeah. is there just a and, – and I don't expect you to sort of um, say this is how we do it, but, you know, when you're buying a business, you know, is there a metric? Is it just uh, multiples of revenue? Is it multiples of, um, you know, dollars per litre? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, there's a, a bunch of different metrics uh, around, as you've alluded to. Uh, a lot of them relate to businesses that uh, generate scale. Um, so, 
because uh, a lot of the ones we look at are sort of early to mid stage, although really starting to rapidly grow um, these these businesses we've invested in now. Um, it is very hard. I mean, uh, a lot of people go and do the crowdfunding piece and it creates an unrealistic expectation of what the value is. So then the next round is likely possibly to be a down round and that's not a great experience for anyone. So. Uh, I guess we've taken a very responsible approach um, and or we, we certainly feel that we have. And I guess as a result, we've said no to, to many as well because we just feel like, um, you know, we, we respect the way that they've looked at their business and they've valued their business and they may well be right. But for us, it just didn't feel like it was quite appropriate at the time to, to be paying at those levels. So uh, we've walked away from quite a few. Um, I mean, everyone has a really positive view of their own business, of course, but you've just got to find that happy medium around what's, um, what's commercial and what's reasonable so everyone can do well from it down the track. But there's no sort of set formula. No, no. But early stage, it does tend to be more a multiple of revenue because it gives you, a, um, a, I guess, your best guess um, as to, to what the value is. And, you know, the, the ranges of those have, um, have been quite broad across the, the ones that we've been involved with to date. Have you um, been tempted by to, to invest in some of the breweries seeking equity crowdfunding based on the, the, the multiples? Are they lower or higher than you would uh, hope to pay? Oh, they tend to be higher. So um, <laughs> we uh, we uh, we've tended to stay away from that. I think it's you know it's great for some of the business to have access to that sort of capital. I think that's terrific and shows people's passion for craft. I think that's awesome. Um, but I guess we we sort of probably are a little concerned around what the valuation is down the track next time. So we we prefer to sort of stay out of those on the whole. It sounds like it's a little a little bit like. Uh the reason I'll have a flutter on the horses just so I've got more, I don't actually expect a return but it keeps me interested that's right that's right <laughs> obviously we've, we've talked a bit about beer there but uh, we've also invested into three spirits businesses and uh, we're really proud of uh, those businesses and, and our association with them so firstly Kangaroo Island Spirits uh, which is uh, you know, one of the most awarded gin businesses in the country. Uh, they they do a phenomenal job, and they won two gold medals just last week um, in the International Wine and Spirits Awards over in the UK. Now, there was only there were ten Australian brands that won gold, and uh, there was only and and Kangaroo Island Spirits won two of the, those ten. So you know they're in gum, great company with the likes of Four Pillars and Never Never and and the like um, and Brookies. So they, they do a great job. Um, it's a unique place over there on the island and you know uh, the, the team over there make a, an amazing product so we're really looking forward to helping them grow um, and then green ant gin of course as well uh, which is uh, native ingredients um, uh, harvested um, off the land of the Larrakee people in the Northern Territory uh, that's with Daniel Motlop, um, who I know from my days at Port Adelaide. Uh, he's a businessman as well as a former footballer, and uh, we're really proud uh, to be involved with him and and putting um, Indigenous people to work and 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 really sort of I guess over time we're going to uh, highlight uh, the the quality and product credentials of Green Ant Gin um, as we reboot that uh, with Daniel in the next few months. Um, and Brogan's Way from here in uh, Victoria, uh, Brogan, um, award-winning female distiller, um, and she does a, a great job with her product and more people need to know about her. So uh, we're going to help her um, over the next little while also. So they're, they're really the three spirits businesses um, and uh, all of those uh, we took on the distribution effectively to drive the sales for them sort of late June, early July. So we'll obviously be able to talk more about our, our growth with them uh, down the track as well. When you succeed with a um, product, it tends to be a suite of products or the portfolio of products. Um, mm -hmm. How important is it to your um, sales crew to have a range of products that they 
can uh, can can take to a to a to a venue or even to sort of form um, you know sort of more formal arrangements with with venues. Yeah, we we think it's really important. So you know we. We start with the consumer at the end of the day. Um, the reason our customers are important to us is to get to the consumer. And uh, whether it's in uh, retail off trade or whether it's on premise, I think for our team to go in with a portfolio is very important. Um, so they can sell the benefits of the different brands depending on what that customer is looking for. And to have great backstories on the beer brands and the spirits brands is is really, really good for our team to have. And uh, I guess it enables us to be more flexible in meeting the needs of our customer. And um, you know, I think over time we become increasingly important to them as, as we become um, a, a safe go-to and a trusted um, advisor around what's new and what's coming in uh, craft beer, but also craft spirits, both of which are growing very strongly. And we can help provide a leadership role to, to help them down that path because it's a really important part of their profit going forward um, and we know that and they know that so I think the portfolio approach is really resonating uh, and um, you know will increasingly do so as our team gets comfortable selling the, the range. Now I, I, I teed this up just as a follow-up um, to catch up on all things and you, you, you've had an IPO listing um, since, since we last spoke but uh, today you're also springing on me a, a, a new announcement as well. Yeah look uh, you know we uh, I guess we've done a lot of reflecting over the last little while and, uh, you know, our, our model has uh, has certainly evolved as we discussed when we first caught up, Matt. Um, but probably at times people have misunderstood what we are, you know, and they look at us and they think, oh, they're an investment company or maybe they're like private equity. And, and we're not that at all. Um, you know, we're, we're a, you know, a beer and spirits and a drinks business and, you know, supported by amazing venue experiences, as you alluded to earlier. So yeah, we've been through a process uh, with our people to help make sure we better explain who we are and what we do. And uh, I, I guess by virtue of uh, the, the businesses we've started to work with, uh, we've generated a fairly complex suite of different businesses, brands and names. So Founders First, the Indie Craft Collective, which was our you know customer facing team, uh, Momentum Food and Wine, which was our export business that we bought that I didn't allude to earlier, but uh, helping us get our products overseas. Uh, then we've you know, invested in um, the, the Potter's Brewery and, and Hunter, Hunter Valley Brewery. So, uh, and then soon to open the Mooney Ponds venue. So we've got all this collection of ent- identities, um, but, and we don't want that. Um, we, we actually want one strong identity, one strong collective. So, Matt, what we're, uh, what we're doing over the next couple of days is actually getting out there and launching a new industry-facing identity that better sums up what we're all about, um, and that is Mighty Craft. So, uh, you know, of course, we'll always be pro-founder, uh, but it's more than one person. Uh, we stand for an industry that not only exists for the love of craft, but is also set to thrive in the current climate. So we're, we're launching uh, Mighty Craft as our industry-facing brand, and what that means for us is that celebrates the fact that we're a powerful collection of people, products and places with one overarching love of craft and this notion of being stronger together, um, which I'll allude to shortly, but has has definitely never been more prevalent than over the last sort of three to six months uh, on the back of COVID, uh, stronger together. And uh, yeah, so we're we're launching a new industry facing name, Mighty Craft, um, that all of our businesses uh, that uh, that from Founders First perspective will operate under. So, So you'll still be Founders First, but this will just be the consumer facing brand? Yeah, the, the trade industry facing brand, if you like. So we'll yeah, still be on, on the ASX as FFL, Founders First Limited. 
as our company name, uh, but within the industry and to the trade and to the business community out there, uh, we'll be known as Mighty Craft. So, so no change in business, no change in focus. It's just uh, trying to better enunciate uh, what the, the the business is trying to achieve. Yeah, very much so. So, you know, we're uh, I guess craft as an industry sector is one that definitely punches well above its weight, uh, which is why we're we're talking about it. Um, but it also celebrates our individuality, authenticity. You know, this sense of uh, enterprise, entrepreneurial spirit, and local connection. So. Um, further to our discussion 18 months ago, yes, we want to play a leading role in the industry and we want to support and grow independent craft. So, yep, we'll back founders, we'll help them play to their strengths, we'll cover their gaps, but our team is going to help remove those barriers to success uh, for some of the best local makers out there to really thrive. So yeah, this notion of Mighty Craft is about a unified group where we collaborate to create a stronger overall craft community and really unleash the growth of the sector. Um, so the essence of what we do hasn't changed, but just how we describe ourselves has so that we can try and capture the essence of what Mighty Craft is all about. Have you found, and I'll admit um, freely that when we first spoke or before we first spoke, uh, you know, I was a, a little bit of under a misapprehension of exactly what the founder's first model was because it is fairly unique um, in yes. the, the Australian yep. landscape and yep. even nationally. And most times you see businesses investing in craft breweries. It seems to be private equity or investment um, with, with a short-term investment horizon. But you guys yep. are... You launched saying you were nurturing um, businesses and supporting founders. Has that counted against you in the market a little bit, that, that misperception? Oh, a little bit. I think, uh, yeah, people haven't fully understood what we do. And, uh, you know, the reason, one of the reasons we wanted to list was to, to have liquidity in perpetuity. So there's no event that has to happen for people to do well out of investing into founders first or backing our brands. You know, the liquidity is there ongoing and that enables us to build strong, sustainable businesses over time and build them the right way, which is what we want to do. So, you know, we're not in this for a sugar rush. Uh, we really want to make sure that we build a great business within Founders First with great partners um, within Mighty Craft uh, that enable us to really build a strong, thriving craft community and to play a role within that. Um, you know, for those brands we've invested in and businesses we've invested in, but ideally we, we help create a stronger craft community overall. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that misunderstanding has hurt us a little bit, uh, but hopefully by virtue of what we do now going forward, it is going to simplify uh, and make sure people understand uh, what we really do. Will we see any change to, to the breweries um, and, and their branding, or they're still completely, you know, for want of a better word, standalone entities? And yeah, they're, yeah, no, they stay, you know, independent operating entities, um, if you like. So yes, we have an ownership stake in in them to some extent, but you know, they're independent independent makers, if you like. They go and do their thing, and um, you know, depending on which business you're talking about, we we take on different parts of their business for them, um, working with their team. So nothing really changes there, uh, but you will see us uh, go to market with uh, Mighty Craft as a bit of a banner instead of say Indie Craft Collective or our export business being Momentum Food and Wine will go under the banner of Mighty Craft which will house all of those individual brands but uh, we'll be there for those um, we're there to help build those brands um, and uh, and help those that we've invested in to build their brand. What, what is next under the uh, Indie Craft Collective? Has COVID put any of your plans on hold or is, is this a sign that you're uh, full steam ahead? Yeah, look, we uh, look, we we had a really strong Q4, um, despite the fact the venues were closed, um, which was 
you know, on the back of wholesale being strong. Uh, and, you know, our, our, the brands we sort of own a majority stake in group, their wholesale growth over the, that last quarter was 260%, which is phenomenal. Um, so outperforming the category significantly. Uh, we, we finished the quarter um, or the end of the year actually with net assets sitting around 30 million bucks, a strong cash position of over 11 million and, and no debt. So, you know, on the back of the ranging uh, that Cam, Krista and Nick and the team got um, that we announced in July, which we should see us sort of double our distribution footprint through the national retailers. You know, we're set for a really strong um, strong uh, first quarter and, and first half, which is great. Um, so I guess from here, we're really looking to to work hard with the existing businesses that we've um, that we've partnered with um, nearly 12 months ago uh, now in most cases and help drive their growth and set them up for a, for a great Christmas. So, you know, for us really, it's full steam ahead, uh, continue to execute the plan. One thing that we've done, um, which you may have read about, is uh, we have um, pushed hard into digital um, strategy, uh, which we see as a real key competitive advantage for us going forward. And that partnership with Ultra Commerce and Amazon Web Services is there so that as we grow and scale, as we, we, we have in the last quarter and we're, we're doing this quarter, um, we, we need to make sure our trade customers um, find it easy to do business with us uh, you know, at the moment we're, we're growing uh, pretty rapidly and, you know, we, we've had great people enabling that to happen. So we just need technology to help support us and enable us to have a, a good customer experience for our trade customers. So, um, yeah, digital uh, enablement is very important. Um, and within that, we'll also help the online presence of those brands that we've invested in and businesses we've invested in as well to help them achieve their growth aspirations. So that's probably the only tweak, um, pushing hard into digital so that we can grow uh, in a more seamless manner. Um, but, yeah, we're really optimistic about the first half on the back of what's been a strong finish to the year. You just talked about the national ranging, which I alluded to at the very start. We have seen the Founders First brands in a lot of the major chains given very good um, preference and ranging. But I've also heard you know, that it may have stretched some of them in terms of trying to fill the pipeline. Um, yeah, have there been any capacity issues keeping up with, <laughs> with your success? Yeah, look, I think we're quite... Um we're quite focused on having a fairly good balanced split between the different channels. So, you know, at the moment we're sort of about a third nationals, um, a third indie and uh, a third on premise, which is, which is really good. So ideally uh, that doesn't change shape too much. Um, but we, uh, we, we are growing pretty quickly and I know, uh, you know, that the different brewers are, are putting on brewers to enable them to keep up. So the team at Ballistic are really doubling down to, to get the Hawaiian haze out in the market that's been really well received. Slipstream guys up there under Ian, um, uh, they are really doubling down now on production as well to, to get ready uh, for the outcomes they got, which is really exciting. You know, Market Source is uh, not only doing his venue up in Cairns uh, that we're helping him with, uh, but he's also you know, really ramping up his production as well. And Jetty Road, uh, we've helped them with uh, getting a canning line in um, that uh, got delivered last week. So Blake and, and Grant down there getting the, the uh, canning line in so that we can bring our production back in-house and, and meet our increased demand there. You know, it really is uh, a lot going on in each of the businesses and, and down at Kangaroo Island Spirits uh, looking for a new distiller there as well to, to help John and Sarah um, who are sort of doubling down to, to, to produce. So, look, it's been um, – it's a nice problem to have growth, um, but it is uh, a little tricky to manage through at different times for sure. One of the things we talked about uh, in, in our last chat and sounds 
very much uh, relevant now is, you know, beer is a unit cost game. Um, having a, a network of seven, eight breweries around the country all growing, it's a fairly inefficient way to, um, you know, if they all have to increase um, stainless in each individual venue. Do, do you think we will see a time that there'll be a uh, Founders First or a uh, um, a Mighty Craft home base brewery that the beers that break out of the uh, the, the smaller venues will, will, will be brewed centrally? Uh, look, possibly we, we may look to expand one or two of them um, beyond what they would need for their own production um, down the track. But right now we, we like the fact that um, uh, our, our businesses and our breweries are, are making their own. Uh, they're making their own product and, and endeavouring to do that wherever possible because I think it really helps, you know, the local community to connect with the breweries and, and know that they're getting locally made products that aren't perfect but they're brilliant and um, that's uh, we'd love to sort of keep doing more of that Um, but in time yes we may look to to scale one or two of the breweries one or two of the distilleries to take on uh, more of the production uh, for within our network Um, but I, I would think each of our breweries will continue to play a really important role in producing their own product. And and I guess that strategy is sounds like it's a little bit more about um, locking in value in the brands as opposed to making money through uh, pricing. Yeah, I think there's always a balance. Um, you know, we we want to back brands and businesses that we think can scale, but do so in a way where they're commanding a premium price, um, and uh, which which helps us pay for the artisanal nature of what craft is all about. So I think sometimes you have to trade off the economics for the, the quality and the, the authenticity of the product. Um, so, you know, hopefully as we build more scale through the network, we can we can buy better, whether it's glass, cans, hops, barley, um, whatever it might be, um, that helps uh, get, get our, our cost of goods down. And But definitely scale will bring its benefits, but we're focusing on bringing scale within each of the businesses and then the overall Mighty Craft family itself. So. Over time, we'll see that benefit come, but uh, for now, yeah, each of the breweries and distilleries are doubling down on making their own and and, um, doing it as quickly as they possibly can. Terrific. Well, Mark Haysman, thank you very much for uh, making time for us today and uh, catching us up, and also thank you for uh, letting us know in advance of the Mighty Craft uh, announcement a little bit more about uh, Mighty Craft. No problem. Look, we're really excited to share it with you, Matt, and, uh, you know, we're... uh, Really looking forward to Mighty Craft getting out there as a as a industry facing name, and I think that it's as new as a new identity. It really helps capture the essence of what we're about. Uh, there's a lot to love within our category, and we think there's a lot to love within Mighty Craft. And uh, we look forward to unleashing the growth of uh, our amazing portfolio and the and the broader category over the years to come. We look forward to watching it uh, with you. So, Mark Hazeman, thank you very much for joining us, and uh, all the very best. No worries, Matt. Thank you for having me. And that was Mark Hazeman. Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryer Malt. With over 25 years in the field, Cryer Malt is dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. Your premium brewing partner and proud sponsors of this, and this is Beer is a Conversation. Don't forget, if you like what we do at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You can find details in the show notes. You can review our podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcasting service. Let us know what you think and help others discover the show. Finally, you can tell us directly what you think by sending an email to producer at brewsnews.com.au. 